All right. Uh, well, as I mentioned a moment ago, we're continuing in our vision series, uh, which is all about uh, who we are as a church and where God is calling us. And so far, everything that we've talked about from the first Sunday to today all centers around a single phrase, and that's this. Um, we are a family of missionary disciples who live to see God's will done in Spokane as it is in heaven. And if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you know that for the first three weeks of our life together as a church, we took each one of these identities in turn. And we just asked the question, what does it mean to be the family of God? Uh, what does it mean to be missionaries? Because we don't use that language every day. And what does it mean to be disciples of Jesus? And then uh, last week, if you were here, uh, Matt Karsh kind of pulled it all together in, um, by explaining missional communities uh, as the way in which we, day by day, week by week, in smaller groups all around the city, live out these identities of being a family of missionary disciples. Uh, and so today, um, we are continuing uh, in the vision series, uh, but we're, we're kind of shifting focus a little bit, because these first four weeks as a church kind of sum up the, the central thrust of who we are. If you understand what it means to be the family of God, and to be missionaries, and, be, and to be disciples, and you know how to live that out day by day, week by week, then, then you understand the vision of the church. And, and so um, we thought about just moving on and starting our next series today, uh, but instead of doing that, we actually feel that there's two more subjects that are central enough uh, to our DNA and who we are as a church that they should be covered in the vision series. Uh, and so we've made some additional room to talk about those things. So, so two weeks from today, we're going to start a series um, in the book of Matthew which I'm beyond excited for. I think it's going to be an amazing series, and we're really um, looking forward to kind of sinking into the scriptures. Uh, but before we do that, um, next week, uh, Tracy is going to talk about the role of justice in the life of the church. And this week, I wanted to share some thoughts on the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. So, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Acts 1, chapter 4, and we'll go ahead and get started. As we uh, enter into a discussion on the Holy Spirit, uh, I, I recognize, I'm highly aware that the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church, um, particularly here in America, has become uh, an increasingly uh, controversial topic, especially in um, recent years. But before, uh, before we get to all of that, I want us to just start by listening to what Jesus has to say about the Holy Spirit. So in, in his final moments with the disciples, this is after his resurrection and before his ascension to heaven, uh, he explains to his disciples the global mission of God and the saving message of the gospel, which they are to go and preach in all nations. And then he says something a little odd in Acts 1 verse 4. He says, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. 
For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Which, if you're reading chronologically through the scriptures, this is kind of an odd statement, right? Because at this point, Jesus is with them. And so he's saying, hey, you know that I died and why I died. And, and you know I'm back from the dead because here I am. You know the gospel message. You, you know the mission of God, but you're not ready yet. I, I, I want you to wait. Something, something is missing. This, this picture is an incomplete one. You need the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts 1, we see that Jesus does, in fact, ascend to heaven, and the disciples, in love and in obedience, they wait, and they stay in Jerusalem. Uh, But now, if you'll turn the page over with me, one page to Acts chapter 2, we read about the day of Pentecost. And, and Pentecost was kind of an international feast in Jerusalem where Jewish men from all sorts of different countries uh, would all come together into the city uh, to celebrate. Uh, and, and this is the account that we read, picking up in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they, the disciples, were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them them speaking in our own native language? So, before we move on, I just want us to pause for a moment and recognize how strange this is. Like, can we just acknowledge together that, that this is unusual? Like, if any of us had written this story, we wouldn't have written it this way. I mean, a violent wind, tongues of fire, speaking in other languages, this is weird. But sure enough, a crowd of thousands gather because of what's happening. And Peter stands up and he gives uh, the full gospel message. Here's who Jesus is, the awaited Jewish Messiah. And at the end of his message, he says, he says this. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And thousands repent, and thousands receive. And immediately, in a a single spirit-filled moment, the early church is born. And they receive the spirit, and they are empowered to live out this crazy, new, radical way of Jesus. 
And the further we read into the scriptures, the clearer our view of the Holy Spirit becomes. Here is a sample of what the scriptures have to say about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives from the day of Pentecost forward. This is some of the things that the scriptures say. The Holy Spirit empowers us as witnesses, gives us words to speak as witnesses, gives wisdom, encourages us, speaks to us, sends us out, directs our steps, telling us where to go and where not to go, who to share the gospel with, and just as importantly, who not to share the gospel with. Next slide. The the Holy Spirit transforms our hearts, pours out God's love on us, gives life to our mortal bodies, testifies that we are God's children, intercedes for us in prayer, gives us power and hope, sanctifies us, reveals the things of God to us, and teaches us. In fact, the scriptures say, if we didn't have the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be able to understand the things of God at all. Next slide. The Holy Spirit is a seal of ownership guaranteeing our future. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. You are a temple for the living God. And as a result, we bear the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we see in the book of Acts that there were certain times and places where they received the gifts of the Spirit, which are messages of wisdom, messages of knowledge, faith, Gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpreting tongues. As a result of everything on that list, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, we're told to pray in the Spirit on all occasions, to worship in the Spirit, and to walk in step with the Spirit. Based on that list, do you think the Holy Spirit is meant to play an active role in our lives as followers of Jesus? Absolutely. We could spell out with crystal clarity what it means to be a family of missionary disciples. But if we attempt to live out our God-given identities apart from God, then we're missing the mark. And we can't afford to miss this. We can't afford to miss the Holy Spirit. This is supposed to be central to our lives as followers of Jesus. But the question still remains, um, assuming all of that is true, um, what role is the Holy Spirit supposed to play in the life of our church? And, And To be honest, there's a lot of tension and controversy lurking behind that question. Uh, But if you look back through that long list that we just went through, and all of the tension and controversy is focused almost exclusively uh, here with the gifts of the Spirit and a few of these gifts in particular. So very few people are fighting over uh, the Holy Spirit's role 
in the transformation of our hearts or, or, or the pouring out of God's love or the fruit of the Spirit. Like, th- those aren't the th- that, there's not tension and controversy there. Those aren't the things that we disagree on. I, I mean, peace, patience, forbearance, gentleness, kindness, self-control, bring it on. And, and so if we lack patience, what do we do? We, no matter what background you're from, if, you're followed, if you lack patience, you pray to God and you ask for more patience. But if you think about it, the only way God's able to actually answer that prayer is if he's somehow at work in your heart bringing about that reality. And, and so it, it's actually a pretty profound, mysterious thing that we would say, God, I need more patience. And he would answer that prayer for patience through the Holy Spirit operating in our hearts. For the most part, that's not controversial. The, the fruit of the Spirit is, is not controversial. But the gifts of the Spirit, and several of those gifts in particular, are controversial. And so I, what I want to do it, with our time is I want to show briefly why that is, and then kind of explain where River's Edge fits into the picture. Sound good? Okay, let's go for it. So, First off, um, I want to start by, oh, back one for a second. Um, I want to start by looking at the phrase of the gifts of the Spirit. And, and I want to deconstruct that for a second. Um, because I, I think one of the ways we've erred in the conversation uh, is that oftentimes we view the gifts of the Spirit as permanent powers which God has instilled or bestowed upon individuals. And so you can actually go online, um, right now, don't do it right now, but you can get online right now on your phones and you can actually take a gifts of the spirit test. And it will tell you, I don't even know what it's measuring, your personality or something, and it will come out with an answer. So, hey, Corey, you took the test based on your personality. Your gift is healing or your gift is prophecy. Um, but the problem with that way of thinking is that you, you kind of get the test result and you say, okay, great, I, I, I have the gift of prophecy, so I'm, I'm a prophet. Um, or, or Corey says, I have the gift of healing, so now I'm, I'm a healer. Um, and on the extreme end, um, people will go so far as to put that on their business cards. Meaning like, hey, I'm Jim, I'm into real estate, and check it out, Prophet. Hey, my name's Kathy. I'm a healer. And so what we want to do is we want to start by saying that, that we don't really buy into that view. Uh, that when we talk about gifts of the Spirit, we think they're better understood as moments where God works through you in response to prayer, a momentary gift that's given uh, rather than a permanent power being bestowed. So you aren't a healer, Corey, sorry, Um, but Jesus is a healer, and there are certain times and places where where Jesus will operate in that capacity in response to prayer through Corey or through me. Um, And we also acknowledge in that uh, that there are certain people who God will use repeatedly for those purposes, and, and so it could be, sorry to pick on you, Corey, but it could be 
that like Corey, and just the way he's wired and his gifting and his understanding of God and his faith, he could be wired in such a way that God uses him um, over and over again for the purpose of, of healing in response to prayer. But Corey's not a healer. He, he doesn't have a license to go around and heal people. I don't have a license to like go around and, as a prophet. But there's certain times and places where God will do that. And, and so we view the gifts of the Spirit not as a, a permanent power or license being given, as an I, I have that power now. That power um, rests in God, um, but, but we think that there are special moments in which God operates through his followers. It, it's more of a, a temporary meal, so to speak, that you're enjoying in the moment with God rather than a power that he's given you. Make sense? Okay. So um, that's, that's kind of where we're at as a church, what we believe. Um, but, but as you probably know, not everyone believes that. And so when it comes to um, the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church and the gifts of the Spirit in particular, uh, there are a few major um, views or, or camps um, that, that have different, come at this in, from different angles. And so what I want to do um, before we end is I want to cover a few of these views briefly just to kind of give us a common framework for how to think about this stuff. So I'm going to get a little like seminary on you for a second, um, and I hope you don't tune out. But here we go. So a few of the different views of the gifts of the Spirit. Um, the first view, kind of on one end of the spectrum, is what we would call the Pentecostal view or um, charismatic view. Uh, and these churches are huge on the gifts of the Spirit. And so they're, they're big on waiting for the Spirit and um, prophetic words and speaking in tongues and healing. Uh, and in some cases, this is part of the gathering. Uh, and in other cases, um, that is the gathering. And so I've had friends, really close friends who I trust, who have had both good experiences and bad experiences in, this, in, in these churches. And uh, I, I know a, a, a girl who personally was radically healed, and she got like dragged to one of these things, one of these gatherings, and she was radically healed. She couldn't see out of one of her eyes, and there was nothing the doctors could do about it. She didn't even want to get prayed over, but she was, um, and now she can see, like perfect 2020, like documented before and after, crazy. Uh, but I also have other friends who have had different experiences in these churches. And so when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, they're kind of central um, to the, the way that some of these churches operate. Uh, and as a result, in some of these churches, not in all, but in some of them, the gifts of the Spirit take a central focus to the exclusion of the Scriptures. And so I have friends who have participated in some of these churches where the Bible's never opened they don't talk about what's, they don't even talk about what's in the scriptures. Just, hey, we're here, let's go for the gifts kind of a thing. Um, and sadly, in some of these churches, the, the gifts of the Spirit can actually become a litmus test, so to speak, for your salvation. And, and so I have multiple friends who have been to these churches and, they'll, and, and they'll, they've been told, hey, if you've never spoken in tongues, then you're not saved. And other friends who have been told, if you don't speak in tongues in front of us right now, it means you're not saved. 
And, and so we have to start by saying that we don't buy that at all. So when it comes to the Pentecostal view, the upside to this view is that I think that, that these churches and these camps probably see more gifts of the Spirit than people from any other type of church or camp. My guess is that they have more prophetic words and more healing and certainly more speaking in tongues than the other groups. Um, the downside is um, what happens to the role of the scriptures and the structure of the gathering. And honestly, not all, but some will operate in the gifts in ways that aren't necessarily in line with the scriptures. So if you actually read what the scriptures have to say about spiritual gifts, um, there's actually like guardrails put in place and limits and wisdom to use in, in operating in those gifts. And sometimes that's just thrown out the window um, because the scriptures don't have a central role in the life of the church. So on the other side of the spectrum is what I would call the cessationist view. No, I didn't make that up actually. I don't know why I said that. It's the cessationist view. And, and so uh, on, on the other end of the spectrum, the cessationist view is very cautious when it comes to gifts of the Spirit, and understandably so. Many of us who, who have seen some of the damage done in the Pentecostal context will then react by moving to the other end of the spectrum and saying, I want nothing to do with that. So on the cessationist side, a conservative cessationist view would say God did those things with those people in that time, but he doesn't do that anymore. In other words, the, the gifts of the Spirit um, were operating within the church, specifically prophecy and tongues and healing and that sort of stuff, was operating in the life of the church until the closing of the canon or, or until the last apostle died and we, the, the scriptures stopped being written, if that makes sense. So, so God can heal people, and he can give prophetic words, and he can um, in, in, empower his followers to speak in tongues, but he, that's, he's just not into that. that that's, just, that's, just not what, that's just not what he does. That's not, that's not the focus. Of course he can do it because he's God, but, but we shouldn't be looking for those things. And, and so they would say, hey, we don't have apostles anymore. We don't have prophets anymore, and the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. Now, the final view I want to share is kind of a middle ground between the two. Uh, and this is what we would call open but cautious. And these churches would say that, that they believe that the Holy Spirit operates in real time, that the gifts of the Spirit are still technically active in the life of the church, but, but they're cautious in their approach. There are boundaries to be put in place, and the goal isn't the gifts of the Spirit. So God is still speaking, whether it's in words of wisdom or words of knowledge or prophetically speaking words of identity over his children um, and healing and, and all of it in real time. Um, but the church gathering isn't structured around that. That isn't the central focus of the gathering, uh, but space should be left for, for God to operate in real time and do real stuff among us. Now, looking back over these different schools of thought, and there are more, but these are the three that we chose to highlight, um, my guess is that we have people in the room tonight um, from every one of these camps, 
And, and so what I want to do is I want to start by saying that no matter where you fall on this spectrum, truly you're welcome here, and we want you to be part of the community and part of the conversation. At the same time, uh, we want to share that as a leadership team, where we're at in leading the church is the, kind of the middle of the spectrum, the open but cautious. And, and so we, um, we don't want to, in the language of Scripture, quench the Spirit of God or stifle the Spirit of God. We want to leave room and time and space for God to operate among us. But there's a balance that we need to strike because I realized that the second I said the word gifts of the Spirit, uh, some of you started to like hyperventilate. You're like, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, we had a few weeks of normal church and, and now they're getting weird on us. And, and so we want to we strike a balance between those two. We don't want to say, oh, forget about the Holy Spirit, forget about what God actually wants to do. But we also want to be really cautious and careful in our approach, especially considering some of the damage that's been done. So we want to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do, but everything that we're opening ourselves up to should channel us into greater knowledge and love of God as individuals and as a community. And, and if that's not the, if it's going in any other strange direction, uh, then we don't see a place for it in, in the life of our church. So, um, as we close, I want to I end by sharing a few thoughts on how I've seen these things play out firsthand um, in my life. All of us in the room have different experiences, um, but just for me personally, um, I, I just want to share a few things on how I've seen the gifts of the Spirit operating in the church. Um, and, and for the sake of timing, we'll just take on the big three, which in my mind are um, prophecy, um, speaking in tongues, and healing. Those are kind of where the controversy lies. So um, first off, we have uh, tongues. And tongues, for those who don't know, um, tongues in the scriptures is referring to um, speaking in the spirit in other languages, like in other documented human languages as they did in the book of Acts. Um, and sometimes it refers to, it, it seems to, to refer to um, speaking in some other language, um, whether that's a, a, an angelic language or a, a language of the heart or, or something other than a human language. Um, and, and when it comes to firsthand experience with tongues, I, I've got nothing. I personally um, have never felt the urge to, to speak in, in another language, human or, or otherwise, or any. I've never felt that urge. Um, and through all of my experiences with the Holy Spirit, it's actually kind of hard for me to conceptualize that for me personally. Um, it, it's just hard for me to wrap my mind around it. I don't know if that will ever happen to me. Um, in the early church, it was happening all the time to the point where Paul had to say, hey, hey, this, this is out of control. If, there, if you're going to be speaking in tongues, like one person should share and there should be an interpreter and it should be for the building up of the church. And if it's not in that context, then, then there's no place for it. How you find an interpreter and, and actually do that, I'm, I'm not even sure. But, Paul says, um, there are actually greater gifts to be desired and we should desire those instead. 
And so I'm not bashing on tongues necessarily. There are people even here right now who I love and I trust who have had that experience and spoke in tongues in the Holy Spirit. And we're, we're not outlawing that. We're not against that. I'm just saying I, I haven't experienced that personally. Um, in addition, um, Paul says, hey, in, instead of, because they were like, the early church in some cases was like all about tongues. And he's like, hey, actually there's, there's stuff that's even more important than that in terms of the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and one of those is um, prophecy. He said you, you should actually desire prophecy or prophetic words um, even more than the others. And so the way I would describe prophecy is um, words or images or pictures or, or um, scriptures that come to mind or a sense of things that are either for you or for someone else or for the church as a whole. And so the, the way that I typically experience this um, most often is during like a, a listening prayer. So I just say, Holy Spirit, come, which is flawed language, right? Because God's already here. The Holy Spirit's already here. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of helpful to, to think in that terms of, Holy Spirit, come. Is there anything you want to say to your kids? We're listening. If you just want to give us a sense of your presence, if you want to bring certain scripture to mind, if you want to give us a, a word, a thought, or an image that, that gently kind of drifts to the surface of, of, our, of our thoughts and imagination. And, and we just leave space for that. Um, and, and so as I receive those things, a word or a thought or an image or something, and I sense like, whoa, th this could be something, this might be from God, then my job becomes to compare it to the scriptures because God will never contradict himself. He'll never do or say something that's contrary to the scriptures. So I'm comparing it to the scriptures, and I'm asking God, God, what, is, what does this mean? Who is this for, uh, and, and what does it mean? What, how am I supposed to respond to this? What do I do? And sometimes you gain clarity in that, and sometimes you don't. Um, but th that's, that's kind of the lens that I run it through. So... As just one illustration of kind of an experience of um, prophetic words and, and healing and how all of that plays out in a church gathering, um, I'll, I'll just share one story. So about a year ago, I was teaching on a Sunday uh, at the church I used to work for in um, Portland. And they have um, four gatherings every Sunday, and each one has about 1,000 people in it. So I'm teaching four gatherings, a thousand people each, and the text that I was assigned to teach from uh, was from the book of Acts, and sure enough, it was a passage on the early church waiting on the Spirit of God and listening for direction as a church. Uh, and, and sure enough, God speaks, and he's directing Paul and these other guys and their mission and, and leading the church forward. So that's the text I was teaching on. Uh, so naturally, when I ended that teaching, kind of our response to the text was to do the same thing. Hey, we're just going to take a few minutes, and we're just going to listen and ask God for um, direction and, and just open ourselves up to whatever it is that God would want to say or do among us right now. Uh, and so as we did that throughout the day, we kind of did that at the end of each gathering, and every gathering, uh, I kind of got something different. I, I felt like I received something different from, from the Holy Spirit. And so in the first gathering, I was just really straightforward. It was just a verse from the Bible about being strong and courageous. So I, I kind of had that float to the top of my mind and share it carefully, of course, and say, hey, I, 
I just have this um, scripture stuck in my head and Romans 8, 6 or, you know, whatever it is. Um, And I feel like God just wants to speak over you right now and and tell you to be strong and courageous. Uh, And and there were certain people in that gathering that I really resonated with. And oftentimes when we're listening, um, we're not necessarily receiving like, like crazy visions and images. One of the most common ways I think we receive in these moments is, is through the scriptures. Like, like God already has his word in front of us and he's gonna use it. They're, they're like keys that he's going to play on, on a keyboard. He's playing a melody through them. He's, like, he's speaking to us in real time through the word he's already given us. And that's pretty safe, right? And unless you get like a crazy weird scripture, then you really have to think about it. But that, that's pretty safe. That like, oh, I, I think God wants to share his word, written word with you. And, and so that's a really common way that we receive in the second gathering, uh, I just had this sense that there were um, some single, or not single moms, but stay-at-home moms, rather, um, who had young kids and were just stuck in the cycle of um, diapers and chores and care and caretaking. And as a result, they just felt disconnected from God, disconnected from people. And the exact words that came into my mind were dead in their faith. I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to share that. And I shared it, and, and sure enough, there's a, a kind of handful of, of moms that were coming forward just weeping, saying, like, that, that's it. Like, that's for me. God sees me. He knows what I'm going through. And they went into the prayer room and received prayer, and it's just a really powerful moment. Um, at, at the third gathering, uh, I just got this sense that there was people who were new to their faith. Like, oh, there's, these, there's a bunch of people like standing on the fence wondering whether or not they should just like, jump in and follow after Jesus. And, and I shared that. I'm just, hey, I just have the sense that there's a handful of people here checking out the Jesus thing and that God's just inviting you to jump off the fence. He's inviting you deeper. And, and sure enough, after the gathering ended, I found out that there was a large youth group there from another city. And most of the people there um, were open to Jesus but hadn't accepted him yet. And, and I, don't per, I don't personally know how they responded to that. I honestly don't. But I thought, okay, there, there's actually something there that probably meant something for this large group of people. And then in the final gathering of the day, same thing, just listening and waiting, um, and I just had this image of, of a foot. Uh, uh, sounds weird. I know, you can laugh if you want. That's all right. Um, it's just an image of a right, of a foot in, in a cast, in like a Velcro cast. And I just had the words, came into my mind, um, right foot. And, and this was the, the only time up to this point or, or any time since then that I've had that type of a, a thing from God, like a specific like body part. Um, but, but as a backdrop, over the course of the last three gatherings, we'd been opening ourselves up to what the Spirit had wanted to do. Um, and it was just this unprecedented day in the prayer room for people being physically healed, which happened from time to time at the church. But this was like a really unique day. And so over the course of those three gatherings, like a dozen or so people had been physically healed of different things. And I had that as a, as a back, in the back of my mind, and then I have this image of a right foot in a cast. And, and I'm terrified at this point. I'm thinking like, oh my goodness. Like here I am on stage in front of a thousand people 
who I just asked to listen to what the Holy Spirit would want to say, and now I'm terrified to share what's in my mind. And, and so one of the things that I do, because I'm a very visual person and I tend to receive that way, um, it, because we're always cautious, is that me? I don't know. Is that me just making that up in my imagination, or, or is that God? And so one of the things that I'll do personally is I'll kind of take that thought or that image and push it out of my mind and kind of actively try and think about other things or receive something else just to kind of test it. So if I push it out and try and think of something and it comes back again and I kind of push it out and it comes back again, I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe there's something here. And so that's what I'm doing as I'm like standing in front of a thousand people like, no, God, not that. Like, please don't make me share that. It's so, this is like the scary part of life in the spirit. And, and it kept coming back. And so I'm standing there just thinking, if, I, if I'm not faithful with this, one, it's totally hypocritical because I'm asking everybody else, like, listen to the spirit, do what the spirit says. I'm like, I can't do it. So I, I, I want to be faithful in that, right? It, but the other thing is I just have this growing sense that, oh man, if I don't share, I'm just going to regret it. If I just keep this to myself and I walk, I'm, I'm denying a chance for God to potentially work in this moment. Um, and, and so at the end of our listening time, uh, I, I just stood up and I said, hey, as we were praying and listening over these last few minutes, um, I, I just got this image of a right foot and a cast. Uh, and I just have this sense, I could be wrong, um, but I just have this sense that if you're here, that God might want to heal you today. And, and it's a really scary thing to share, but I, hey, if you're, if you're open to that, if that's you and you're open to it, um, there's a prayer room over here and, and we just invite you to come and, and receive prayer for that. And so I, I finished and walked off stage and went and sat down, um, having no idea if that actually matched anyone in the room. Um, and, and then something happened. There was a guy who stood up like in, in like the back row. And sure enough, he had a Velcro cast on his right foot. And, and by now we're in the back set of worship, um, but it's in that moment right in between worship songs where it's quiet. And so several hundred people on that half of the room can hear his crutches on the concrete floor. Just tap, 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 is moving right in front of everyone. It, in, in, into the prayer room. And so the next worship song starts and we're worshiping and, and doing our thing. And sure enough, a couple minutes later, he comes walking back out of the prayer room. Not limping, he's walking. And he has his Velcro cast under one arm and he's raising his crutches above his head with the other one praising God. And in that moment, you could feel the energy in the room. It just rippled through that place. God, God's alive. And he's working right now. He's doing stuff. Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. You could just feel the, the glory of God in that place. And, and I haven't had a chance to share my full story yet, but I, I grew up in an atheist home. Just total non-belief, thought, thought faith was nonsense. 
And in that moment, I'm a believer, but that's, that's kind of my background. And even as a believer, I'm still just blown away by the mystery of God. God, how? I, don't even, I can't even grasp that. And, and at this point, I'm just in tears. Because, oh, God, you're real, and you're speaking, and you're healing, and you're doing stuff. And, and dozens of us are, are in tears. It's, it's too good to be true. And my former atheistic, naturalistic background has absolutely nothing to say about what just happened. It has absolutely no explanation for what just happened other than its complete failure to recognize God who's alive and among us and at work in the universe. And so at River's Edge, we're not about prophetic words to the exclusion of God's word. And, and we're not about healing to the exclusion of hospitals. And, and we're, not about, we're not all about speaking in tongues or, or looking for signs and wonders and, and structuring our gathering around that. And, and if you don't ever speak in tongues, um, that's perfectly fine with me. We're, we're cautious with this stuff and not reckless, but we also realize that it's possible to quench or, or stifle the spirit of God and what he actually wants to do among us. And we believe that God wants to do real stuff in this community in 2016 in Spokane. Like he, he, he wants you to know him. We, we don't wanna be a community that knows about God we want to be a community who knows God and has some sense. God's among us. He's working in real time. He sees us. And, and so what we want to do as a church is we want to leave room in our gatherings and room in our lives for the work of the Holy Spirit. And so when it comes to gatherings here at River's Edge, we expect to see the Holy Spirit at work in the gatherings, speaking words of identity and encouragement um, over his children and over the body that is the church and speaking blessing and forgiveness. And we expect um, to, to, op- to receive the fruit of the spirit as we operate in the spirit. And from time to time, we, we expect to see the gifts of the spirit. Not, not every time we pray for healing will someone get healed, but sometimes. Not, not every time we listen we feel like we receive something, but sometimes. And so we want to leave ourselves open to God operating in real time among his gathered people. And finally, in addition to all of that, we expect and hope and pray to see the Holy Spirit operating, not just in our gathering as we come together, though there's something unique about it, but also in our scattering and in an in the six and a half days that we live out there, we, we wanna be people who, in the words of scripture, walk in step with the spirit. God, who, who do you want me to talk to? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? That you, you created this person, God. What do they need to hear right now? 24-7 operating in the spirit of God, telling us who to talk to and who not to talk to. God, I want to go talk to that person. Nope, not that person. God, I want to go preach it. No, 
It's not the right time. In tune, in step with the Spirit, the God who's always with us, who will never leave us, who will never forsake us, ushering us into a whole new way to live. That, that's it. That, that's where we're headed as a church.